Good morning. We're glad you're here today. Thank you for coming. If you're visiting, as always, we encourage you to come back. We're thankful that you've chosen to come and visit with us today. We hope that you will find the congregation here friendly and warm, and we would certainly love to have you come and be a part of the work here if you're looking for a church home. We're looking at Acts chapter 12 in our study today. The question of the hour, would you die for your faith? The sixth chapter of the book of Acts and in chapter 7, we read about a man by the name of Stephen who was the first martyr recorded in Scripture. And then, of course, in Acts chapter 12, we find James, an apostle, put to death for his faith in the Lord. In Revelation chapter 2, the Lord surveys the churches of Asia, actually chapters 2 and 3. But in chapter 2, he cites the church at Pergamos, identifying a man by the name of Antipas. And Jesus said of this man that he was his faithful martyr. In the first century, there were people that willingly, gladly died for their faith. So today we ask the question, would you be willing to die for your faith, for your belief system, for the cause of Christ? Let's begin our study by first and foremost talking about the persecution of the saints. Now look again at what Luke says in Acts chapter 12 in verse 1. Time-wise, we're looking at about 10 years after the church began in Jerusalem. Some would say around A.D. 44. And the Bible says that Herod the king, this is Herod Agrippa I, stretched out his hand to harass, to mistreat or persecute, some from the church. Now we might ask the question, what was the cause for their persecution? Let me just sum it up in one word, Jesus. Jesus was the cause for their suffering in the first century. You remember in Matthew chapter 5, in what we typically call the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely, listen to him, for my sake. The Lord was very upfront with those who wanted to be his disciples. And really what he was saying is, it's not going to be an easy road. When you choose to follow me to become one of my disciples... There are two things necessary. Number one, you're going to have to be willing to deny yourself. You remember Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And then he said, take up his cross and follow me. So there is denial of self and then the death of self. The cross signifies a death takes place. You remember Paul, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ to whom the world was crucified to me and I unto the world. So there is the death of self. Now when we look at the cause 
to understand that there were challenges that faced the early church. Matter of fact, challenges facing the early disciples. Before Jesus went to Calvary and died, you remember when He sent the apostles out according to what Matthew says in the limited commission? In chapter 10, Jesus said to those men that they were to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Jesus would say, you will be delivered up to councils. He said, they'll scourge you. He went on to say to those men in the long ago, you will be hated by all men for my sake. Again, the Lord simply saying to those who would be His disciples, who would walk in His footsteps, it's going to be a tough road. So there were challenges confronting the early church. And you can pick up in the book of Acts, turn over to chapter 4, and the very first thing you find is persecution being inflicted upon God's people. The Jews of Jesus' day, they didn't like Him. They didn't like His message. Same was true once the Lord ascended to heaven. The church began, and there were Judaizing teachers that were trying to the best of their ability to muzzle the mouths of the apostles in early church. You remember in Acts chapter 4, the Bible says that Peter and John were commanded not to preach or teach in the name of the Lord. In chapter 5, the apostles were brought before the Sanhedrin council, and they said to the apostles, did we not tell you that you're not to be spreading this doctrine. And they charged them. They said, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and you intend to bring the blood of Jesus on us. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5, the latter part, those men were beaten for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet the Bible says daily in the temple and in every place, every house, they cease not teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Over in the book of Acts chapter 7, the death of Stephen. Chapter 8, the Bible says that persecution was sweeping the early church in Jerusalem. And the Bible says the disciples were scattered abroad. And you remember the text says in verse 4 that those who had been scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So the point is, in the first century, the early church was embroiled in persecution. They faced it day in and day out by Judaizing teachers and by others, that is, those who were a part of the Roman system. They did everything that they could to stop the teaching and preaching of the Christ. Now there's a second thing I want to share with you. First, the persecution of the saints. And I would add this as well. In the society that we now live in, we can expect to face tough times. Now going back to the first century, you, you remember the Apostle Paul talked to Timothy about those persecutions and afflictions that he had faced at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But he said, out of them all, the Lord delivered me. But then down in verse 12, he said, All that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now we could ask the question, is persecution coming to the church? And my answer would be, it's been here. It's always been around. Now granted, the country in which we live 
Things have changed dramatically. Things that at one time may have been deemed abominable in the eyes of the public are now given a pass. And things that maybe we would have deemed as being holy, right, and good in days gone by. Well, those things are frowned upon today. You remember Isaiah the prophet talked about those in his day who were calling evil good and good evil. Well, things have always been difficult for God's people. God's people have always been in the minority. So to understand that the world that we live in is a cauldron for persecution. John said the whole world lives under, under the sway of the wicked one, that is, under the devil. And the devil's doing everything that he can to destroy and stop the cause of Christ. Now, secondly, let's talk for a minute or two about the passing of a saint. Look now at verse 2. The Bible says that Herod killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So now Luke, the inspired historian, is telling us that James, the brother of John, a close companion to the Lord during his earthly ministry, has now become the victim of the sword because of Herod, Agrippa I. Now you look at the life of James. Here was a man that sought to live day in and day out for the Lord. We would say that James was a man of faith, wasn't he? James had come to believe that Jesus was the divine Son of God. James had the opportunity to hear the Lord preach time and again. James had the opportunity to see firsthand those great miracles performed by the hand of Jesus. He saw the power of Almighty God, and his life was that of faith. But not just a life of faith, but a life of faithfulness. Now, you remember what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2? Jesus said that we, that is, His people, are to be faithful unto death. Now, a lot of times we hear people talking about we're to be faithful until death, and that's true. We're to be faithful every step of the way, but we're also to be faithful even if it costs us our life. Now, go back and look again at Matthew chapter 10. You remember when Jesus said to the apostles that they would be delivered to councils, that they would be scourged, hated by all men for His sake? But down in verse 28, Jesus said this, Do not fear those that can kill the body, and afterward cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. What the Lord is placing a premium on is the inward man. Now, please, don't misunderstand. The Lord is interested in our physical welfare. The Lord does not want us to become victims to martyrdom. But the fact of the matter is, it might be the case that we have to give our life for the cause of Christ. James willingly died for the Lord. 
Not only did James die for the Lord, but there were a lot of saints in the first century that paid the ultimate price for their faith. I mentioned Antipas a moment ago, of whom the Lord said, He is my faithful witness. And to the seven churches of Asia, it was the Lord who said, I want you to be faithful unto death. That is, in the face of death, you stand for me and me alone. Question. Would you die for your faith? If our government stormed this building and said, either renounce Christ or die, what would you do? Now we might say, I know what I would do. I know what we're supposed to do. But would we give our life for the Lord? That's a compelling question, isn't it? James willingly died for the cause. Now, not only did he live for the Lord, but I would submit to you that after death he went to live in the presence of the Lord. Now the beauty of death is that's not the end of the story. And I think that's why the Lord Jesus was saying to the people in the first century, look, don't fear those who can destroy that temporal tabernacle of flesh, that is your body. Don't worry about those people, but rather you stay true to me because they can't touch your soul. You remember in the book of Revelation, John talks about the souls of those martyrs that were underneath the altar. They were crying out to God, how long, how long? Persecuted, yes. Martyred, absolutely. The Lord hadn't forgotten them. Now there are two things I'd share with you along these lines. James went to be with the Lord. And the Bible tells us that when we go to be with the Lord, we're going to a better place. Now that's hard for us to understand in a physical world. We're used to what we see. And we live in a temporal, carnal world. And this is familiar to us. And to understand that there's something better than the beautiful world that we now live in is hard for us to understand in many ways. But you remember the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1? In verse 21, Paul said, For to me to live is Christ, but he said to die is gain. Would we see ourselves as gaining something if we died in Christ? Paul did. In verse 23, he said, To depart and be with Christ, listen to him, is far better. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks about being absent from the body and being at home with the Lord. Where do you think Paul wanted to be? I know where he wanted to be. He wanted to be in the presence of God, in the presence of his Lord. So we're talking about not just a better place, but a blessed place. Now again, look at the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, here's what John wrote to Christians in the first century who were facing tough, tough times. Matter of fact, some were dying. Some had already died. Some more would die. And so John said, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, 
that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. What James is saying is, look, you give your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. You die in the Lord. And there are only two places to die. You can either die in Christ or you can die outside of Christ. To those who die in Christ, the Bible says they're going to a blessed place, free from the cares and trials and troubles of this world, to never again face martyrdom. In the first century, those who were Roman leaders, Roman Caesars, they wanted people to address them as Lord and God. They viewed themselves as deity. And yet James and John and the other apostles, they didn't serve that Roman Caesar as their Lord per se, but rather the Lord of their life. The Lord of their lives was the Lord Jesus Christ, wasn't it? You remember, you remember what Peter said on Pentecost Day, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that this same Jesus whom you crucified, God's made both Lord and Christ, to recognize that Jesus is sitting upon a throne in heaven. And as the King of kings and Lord of lords, He wants to be the one who is ruling my life. And what the king says is, if it costs you your life, so be it. But you'll be in a better place and you'll be in a blessed place. Might be that you're here today and you're not a Christian. You've never obeyed the gospel. I want to encourage you to come to Christ. I said a minute ago, there are only two places to die. You can die in Christ or you can die outside of Christ. And the only way to get into Christ is to put your faith and trust in Him as the King of kings and Lord of lords, as the great I Am. And then to repent of your sins, to walk away, as Paul said in Acts 17, that God commands all men everywhere to repent, Acts 17, 30. To confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. Can't you just imagine those first century saints when they were put to death, can you just hear them saying, Jesus is Lord? Confessing in the face of death, the Lord Jesus is my, He is my Lord. I'm going to be with Him. And then to be baptized into Christ so that your sins can be washed away, as Peter teaches in Acts 2.38. If you're here and you're not what you ought to be as a child of God, you need the prayers of the church. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. It might be that you're facing struggles in life. You just need the prayers of the church to help you during this difficult time. We'd love to pray with you and for you as we stand and sing.